0: Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening.
1: Hey everyone, in case you haven't heard, this episode is our one year anniversary of Ripstop on the Record. It's probably one of the most anticipated episodes we've ever had. It's also really unorthodox and pretty ridiculous. It's less polished, less edited, and less professional than most episodes you hear from us. Ripstop on the record was founded around a table on a porch at a bottle shop in Durham. So we're going back to the roots of how the podcast was first conceptualized. Now, to treating this conversation like it started, as a group of friends sitting, drinking, and enjoying one another's company. We have put together an episode with our friend Matt Evans from Red Pop Packs. Another way to put it is we're recording a party. This episode is going to be a celebration of everything we've done the past year and celebrating the listeners that have enjoyed it with us. On most episodes, we choose one very succinct topic to cover. In this episode, there are three topics and with a lot of tangents in between. So fair warning, this is a two-hour episode. Now, we know that most of you don't want to listen to a two-hour episode all at once, or maybe you don't want to hear every part. So we've made chapters. Go check those out so you can click around. Part one, we'll be talking about our favorite moments, events, and episodes from the past year. Part two, we'll talk about the state of the DIY nation, new products to come, new technologies, and, and a lot more. And then part three is the main event where the guys will show off their final sew-off projects. We've tasked them with huge projects to see what they could do when put to the test. Now, we went all out for the one-year anniversary and we made videos. There's a long one. We can see the entire episode as a video. There's also a short video where you can check out just the highlights. We have five incredible prizes that will pertain to the F3 and the podcast, so keep your eyes out for winning one of those. Finally, thank you. The DIY community has been remarkable since the beginning, and we do not take lightly the fact that we get to make a podcast and talk to incredible people as part of our jobs, and thank you for making that happen. Last announcement, this episode contains language that some listeners may not be stoked for. Just be aware of that before you start listening. Now, this is episode 28, and this is our one-year anniversary of Ripstop on the record. We're going to go into the episode. Thanks, everybody. Hello, everybody.
2: This is Matt from Red Paw Packs, and you are listening to RIP Stop on the Record.
1: Oh, what's up, Matt? Glad you're here.
2: Happy to be here.
1: So, and, uh, For all of you that don't know, it's episode 28, and we got the one-year anniversary episode, which includes who you just heard, Matt, from Red Paw, plus a few other local voices, should you say, that you already know. Hello, friends. Greetings. Hello. We've got uh, Carter, Isaac, Avery, and myself, Jameson, coming at you, and we've got a lot to uncover in this episode, but first things first, there may be one or two reasons you're listening to this episode. One, because we're all here. We get it. Um, The last reason you're listening is because we promised prizes, and we promise not to disappoint on prizes. The biggest one, also known as the grand prize, is a fanny pack from Matt himself called the Flex Fanny Pack. Matt, in your, own, in your own way, why would anybody want to win the Flex Fanny Pack? Give us the brief, uh, the product copy on this thing.
2: Well, sure. I mean, for starters, uh, I have to flex you guys because this one will be in outdoor ink. So we're going to have five ounce DCF fabric that is custom printed in wonderfully bright colors. So if you like bright colors, uh, this will be the one for you. Each one is one of one uh, because of the print and the nature of cutting materials, so each pack is different. And so this one will be equally unique. Um, Now, the reason you'd want the flex fanny pack is I view it as like a great middle ground between what a through hiker would want, but also what a day hiker would want in a fanny pack. So the main, probably the most important feature is at the top as a top stretchy pocket, which is big enough for a 700 milliliter water bottle. On the inside, there's a waterproof phone pocket, um, the highest quality number five YKK zips. I mean, it's like, from the ground up it is like the highest quality materials that I could possibly want in a material and, and to the fanny pack. And so that's exactly the product that i launched. And I don't know how many I've made and sold now, but you're definitely getting amongst the best after cranking out, maybe five, 600 or so by now.
1: Absolutely. And I still see a lot of people hesitant about fanny packs for some reason just by show of hands here, who has been a total a show of hands and show of, Eyes like me saying I, for the listeners, are fanny pack converts now.
3: Yes. Carter, for some specific <laughs> times.
1: Everyone's down to the fanny pack. If you haven't tried it, make one and then go buy one of Matt's. Um, because Um, Actually,
0: <clears throat> I have yeah. a funny story. One time, Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Record, told me I had a nice fanny. So, <laughs> that's all uh, I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, maybe the,
3: yeah. of the probably You're probably out of here after saying that, but it's cool. If we were
2: in Australia, that would have a very different meaning too. That's the other part of that. That's a comment and email that I get, uh, you know, without being too explicit. They're like, you're calling this a fanny pack. You might want to reconsider that. (laughs) It's a little different in Australia.
1: Other prizes include a $25 RBTR gift card, a $10 RBTR gift card, and then extra scrap fabric. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of miscuts, extra cuts, and weird things we have laying around. And we're gonna send some scrap fabric to whoever fourth and place fourth and fifth place winners are. So how are we going to win the or how do you win the prizes? Every Friday we do F3 the free fabric friday. So instead of one to two to three winners winning fabric, you will win one of these and we'll select them and and give you an email. So if any a time to enter this the time.
3: <laughs> this the time. <laughs> the time is
0: not
1: Beyond this podcast, which is going to be hopefully the most epic one ever, we're Wanting to tune it up a level. So, we're going to release some videos as well. So, later on, you'll hear about these projects that the guys have made for the sew off, and it's going to be hard to hear about them sometimes. So, you'll get to watch videos and see photos of what they make. So, check out that content later on as well. Plus, next episode, if you can listen to episode 29, is going to be with people from Dynema or DSM, rather. Kyle and I have talked to them recently, and we're going to talk about some pretty cool stuff, including new products. I'll leave, I'll leave that there. So make sure you tune in. Now, big question. Avery, why are we celebrating? Like, why are we doing this whole episode thing?
4: Yeah, so we're super excited about Rips Stop on the Record. It was kind of an idea that I think it came up when we went out to a brewery out in Durham. And <laughs> I don't think Carter...
3: Growler girls, baby. Oh, growl the girls.
4: Carter... Uh, needed a little convincing and we've put a lot of hard work and effort into it we're really proud of ourselves um one that it's lasted this long uh it sounds a little corny but doing anything at ripstop for an entire year (laughs) on full schedule for uh 52 weeks is pretty remarkable so it's been really exciting for us and exciting that Kyle trusted us with this and really was kind of like take it and run and we were like okay well buckle up because (laughs) it's gonna get weird um (laughs) so yeah we're so
3: well just real quick I just wanted to say yes that it did come from us out like having some beers I think Avery when you were in town but I also just wanted to say and maybe I said this in another section which so people will hear this twice if you don't edit it you guys deserve it Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to you and Jameson because I think, Avery, it was actually your idea um, from the beginning. And when you first said that, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I like talking a lot, but I'm going to sound stupid. I'm going to embarrass my family. And you guys convinced me to do it. And it started out pretty rough. Those first episodes with just me and Kyle were like, I can remember telling a joke and then him just looking at me dead in the eyes and not even cracking a <laughs> smile. And I was just like, "I we're never going to make it more than three episodes uh but you guys stuck with it and like you said uh we being such a rapidly growing business it is hard to keep everything on schedule and things come up and we push things off but this is something that we stuck with so i just appreciate you guys a lot because i think this has become like a super awesome outlet for content that i know that if i didn't work here i would definitely listen to this and be excited to tune in uh Every I don't even know when we release it now, every two weeks or something. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you guys. Uh, because yeah, it's it's been awesome. It's been something to look forward to, even whenever I was scared to be on it, which maybe for some of you that know me or maybe just know me from the podcast, that might be hard to believe. But there was a time where I was like, I don't know, dude. I gotta like, I was like in the bathroom before the first episode, like doing like warm-up ex- exercises, like me, 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 <laughs> me, like Sally sells seashells by the seashore or whatever just over and over and over again cuz i was so nervous. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys.
1: Full of credit to Avery. She pulled the plug and made it happen from a production and editing standpoint and everything that we that we didn't know. Avery Avery made that happen. So we're really glad you did Avery cuz we wouldn't have this here today. Aww. Now Carter brought up yeah. <laughs> Carter brought up a good point here that uh, there's probably going to be swearing on this episode. We're, we're hanging out. We're going to keep this one casual as if we're sitting at Growler Girls together. And although all of us here are well-educated and highly respectable people, um, it's a passionate project, I think you could say, which means that the passionate phrases come out. And I mean that in the most endearing way. So if potentially you would be offended or disappointed to hear language that does not align with who you are, then we will prepare you now for whatever decision you want to make following that. (laughs) This also leads me into a perfect segue for part one, which is breaking down the year of podcasts. So again, this episode 28, we've done 27 other episodes besides this one. We've talked to makers and companies, engineers, product designers, and everything in the middle. And now I want to see what we think about the year of podcasts that we've had so here's a few stats for you since we started we've been listened to in a total of 57 countries most popular being usa canada australia united kingdom and germany we have listened to in 2243 cities uh, most popular being columbus ohio atlanta georgia seattle washington salt lake city utah and denver colorado we've had over 18,000 downloads maybe more because i loaded that like a week and a half ago um, most popular episodes were the deep dive with Dimension Polyant. Shout out to Taylor North. Inside the Minds of Dynema with Peito and Shiharu. Your sewing machine needs. Shout out our guy Aaron from Capital Sew and Quilt. The very first episode, surprisingly, aka Carter, keep your shirt on. This is a funeral. And then, then uh, the fifth most listened to episode was ultralight backpacking with Nashville Pack. Shout out our guys Bedhead and uh, Gusha. So, shout out to them. And now you know saving the best for 28th map
2: can i say just uh from a listener's perspective uh i've realized that this has required a lot of work from you guys like one just the courage to be able to chat for a long period of time extended you know but then also putting yourself out there with the guests and like acquiring the guests um i think my my favorite episode is probably the taylor north podcast um the Dyneema one is interesting too, obviously. Like, obviously I have a vested interest in a lot of those uh, guests, but that was probably one of my favorites. And yeah, it's definitely admirable. Like I can't imagine adding like a podcasting schedule to my work schedule either. Like, um, you know, let alone the mental fortitude required to do that and like successfully interview too. That seems pretty difficult. So bravo.
1: It is it is a privilege to say the least. This one dude is borderline stolen ever.
3: valor over here for the fucking um, podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Isaac, most memorable moment since you started listening to the podcast? Or is there one episode that stands out?
0: Like when I was asked to be on the podcast, it was like there was no ceremony. There was no like, like just nothing. It was like, oh, you think you want to be on a podcast sometime? And I like had just been hired and I was like, sure, that sounds cool. Let's do it.
1: Your first episode was Bushcraft, right? With Rod? That was the first one you were on?
0: Yeah, yeah. That was was like the first one that I was talking. I think you introduced me before that.
1: Good times. That was a great episode. Skill at living in the bush. Rod, if you hear that, please don't kill me. Carter, favorite episode?
3: (laughs) I would probably say that for me, it was actually that episode. Um, There are a few that stick out, namely uh, any of the ones with Kyle where we asked him, uh, I think in the first, one of the first episodes I asked him, we had like icebreaker questions and I asked him what uh, if you could bring three people to help you survive the apocalypse, who would it be? And he picked himself, Mr. T and George Washington in the first the first time. And I was just like, all right, that it was fine. That was the one where like every joke I told, like it nice. just didn't land for some reason. And I think it's just because we were both so nervous. Then on a subsequent episode, I w- I brought it back and I was like, hey, now's your chance, like redeem yourself, what would you say? He chose the same, except for instead of himself, a clone of himself, he chose Matt Damon. So he chose George Washington, Mr. T, and Matt Damon as his three people to help him survive the apocalypse. So that's my honorable mention. It's just any podcast in which Kyle answered that question, but the bushcrafting one was really special to me because it had Isaac, who was a new hire at the time, and it also had Rod on it, who's Someone that uh, I've grown semi-close with uh, that works with our production team. And at the time, that was a really exciting thing for me to have somebody from the fulfillment side of things kind of buy in and jump into the, the other side. And I also thought that
0: it was just, yeah, it was just really
3: special for me uh, for, for that stuff.
0: Rod's also like the type of person that like doesn't really talk much. So I like got to know more about him on the podcast. Like it was the, the most I've ever heard him talk. And he also, his
3: voice is so velvety smooth. I was squirming in my chair while he was talking, dude. It was awesome. Yeah, hopefully we can have him back again sometime. But that, that was really meaningful to me because of that. Avery, favorite moment?
4: I have two of my favorite episodes. One being the very first episode. I think it was when one, we were like just, still trying to figure out what we were doing and then kyle just improv to started singing and i don't think i've ever laughed so hard in my life and then i just listened to it over and over and over but i was just thinking while i was saying that we should just start making that our intro song um, for this podcast yes
3: he was singing kiss by prince
4: yes (laughs) kiss. Um, it was pretty fantastic. So that, and then I really loved the episode with Julianne from Wild Brush. I she just inspires me a lot. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. Um, so yeah, it was just great to talk to her, and we don't get to talk to many women, so it was a nice conversation. That was definitely a favorite. But also to want to say thank you, Jamison, um, for helping to put this episode together. And being such an integral part of this podcast, and it's been really wonderful. And thank
1: you. I uh, choosing a favorite episode is is painful, and I realized I just wrote this question, and I realized that I hate answering it already, um, because each one has been so unique. I mean, I know to the listener, there's probably a lot of episodes that blend together in terms of what they mean or what we talked about. Um, but being on the interviewing side is. Like It's a goofy word to say, but it is a privilege because I do feel like we get a really uh, deep dive into people that a lot of people would love to talk to, like the people from DSM, Taylor North. Like These are people that people would love to have a conversation with, and we got to do that, and that feels really remarkable. Um, so yeah, there's a ton of great episodes. One moment that really st- sticks out or one podcast, and I think it's one of the least listened to ever, actually, is episode five where Carter and I did the bike bag sew-off because um, it was just Carter and I. <laughs> chatting, drinking beer just across from a table from each other. Um, and I don't think it went well. Like I said, I think it was one of the least listened to ever. People didn't understand yes. what was happening, but it was a great moment for us. We had a really, really good time. It was super fun. It was goofy. So that was
0: man.
4: I think that's also when we realized that people were actually listening to us because we got a few emails about your naughty language. And <laughs> we were like, oh, people actually give up so (laughs) yeah
3: a care they give a big care
4: (laughs) yeah so then that's when we were like oh people's children are listening to us um maybe we should start taking this more seriously we were just like kind of doing it just we didn't really know what was gonna happen and then (laughs) (laughs) you get that so yeah
3: the original idea was for me and kyle like well it was the same idea that like when we were at growler girls actually coming up with the podcast was for it to be like that because me and Kyle would often go out uh, after work uh, for a beer. Right. And we would be talking about the same type of stuff. Uh, I didn't, I don't think I got paid for that time, but that's a different story, but we were still, you know, talking about that. So we kind of wanted to re like to harness that. And I think that's where us like just kind of talking so openly came from, but then uh, to Avery's point, as you go along, it's like, Oh, well, in order to, because of the nature of what we do, it just touches so many people that it it didn't make sense for all the time for us to just be throwing out um, so many different colorful words all the time. Definitely. But I was still mad about We've that, also- but that's
1: okay. I feel like we we've learned something from each episode too, and not just in a way, not just in a, a practical way, like oh we need to type the outlines like this or we need to reach out this much in advance, but we've learned something like personally from each person. Like for instance, Julie Ann's uh, episode sticks out a lot, Avery, in the sense that, like we talked a lot about how she's formed her community through what she says and how she's very vocal about social issues and things like that, and she's made a community that fits what she believes. And so, I mean, the way that we talk to our community and we talk about on the episode kind of changed after talking to her and the way we talk about dsm and how to use the term dyneema changed after talking with them and um you know when we did fabric application questions i mean that's informed how we do our marketing here even so each episode has sort of helped us inform the next step for rbtr and also rips up on the record so it is hard to choose choose a favorite those are a couple couple favorites um yeah so we have a brief intro because one of the things. And as you, one of the constant topics that the podcast has always been surrounded by and kind of impetus was, was beer. I mean, we met at a brewery to do that. So we did get some special beers today, but, uh, Matt or Avery, can we start with, start with you, Matt? Are you, do you have any beer with you today? What are we, what are we drinking?
2: I feel empty handed. I was actually about to go ask. Um, I don't have any beer in my house. And I know as a, as a Denver, right. That is just like a sick, Crime. Do you
1: have whiskey? I
2: do. Can I go get that?
1: Go get it. You're allowed. Oh, Matt, Matt, I was kind of hoping you were gonna have a red pod decanter.
2: <laughs> Knowing me, that's not even out the realm of possibility. Do a shirt, but nothing uh, whiskey related yet.
0: Is that a is that some bourbon?
2: This is a bourbon. Okay, so this is called Jefferson's Ocean. This is not a whiskey that. I would buy for myself. This is like my dad gifted this to us last time he was here. They put the whiskey in a barrel. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Then they put it on a boat. And then they travel around the entire globe with the whiskey on the boat, getting the salt, air, and ocean, water, whatever. Apparently makes it salty. I don't know. That's just what they claim. I don't know if I taste that either. This little thing is like an $80 bottle. Which is obscene.
0: Looks like you've uh, but it's pretty very much good. polished it off, too.
2: <laughs> well, you know, long days over the machine. You got to drink some Jeffersons. It's the only way. But yeah, I mean, we've had this for ages. And we're pretty slow with alcohol at our house.
1: So Matt's drinking some Jefferson's Ocean whiskey, or bourbon, rather. Enjoying it. Great story. Look it up. Uh, Avery, what have you got? I think you've got an Avery special, actually. That might be what it's called.
4: Oh, my wish. It's just called uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, or PBR.
3: I've never had that before. Wow! What are the what are the IBUs on that? That sounds great.
4: No idea. I just know that they're like two dollars, so real economical. Can
0: you uh, can you get that on tap? Actually, can you get that on tap?
4: Oh, I don't know. Maybe just at like one of the finest craft breweries.
0: <laughs> in college, we get that in kegs.
2: That's the way to do it. The first that's time awesome. I
4: ever had it was out of a keg in college. I think that's why I like it so much.
2: There's nothing wrong with cheap beer for the record. <laughs> cheap beer is, is, has its place. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion.
1: Um, no, I, and I think having PBR out of a keg in college is like going to Ireland to taste Guinness. You know, it's like mm. in its natural habitat. Yep.
2: The quintessential experience.
3: So uh, I just had, I don't know if this is backwards or not, but this is a Cool Ship Black Lager from OEC Brewing. And I think it's Connecticut. Uh, this is phenomenal. Uh, once the weather starts getting colder, I go to the darker varieties. But I, I mean, I love stouts and porters. But I really like, uh, I really like uh, Cascadian dark ales, like Black IPA, Black Lager, things like that. Are are what tickles my fanny, if you will. So <laughs> that's what I'm having. And then what I have right now is a. Some stout from, like, somewhere. Oscar that's, Blues, that's I think, local or something like that. I don't even know what I it is. I have another
2: uh, another recommendation for you, too. Breckenridge Vanilla Porter. If you like dark beers, that's one of my favorite dark beers.
1: Also really nice, The, the like, the stouts are often so much higher alcohol, and it's kind of nice because then you don't have to feel like you don't have to have whiskey afterwards. You have a large beer, and you're generally already feeling it. Uh, let's continue this drink train.
0: Isaac, what are you drinking today? What have you had? well i'm a couple in uh <laughs> the first was <laughs> was a uh something from Pisga brewing oh it's right here hold on <laughs> Pisga brewing uh chocolatized russian imperial stout this is pretty good 10.2 percent
3: wow wow All you right, not on to, to uh,
0: Founders KBS, highly acclaimed flavored stout, twelve uh, percent. If anybody's wondering, <laughs> oh my god! Only person
3: wondering is your Uber driver.
4: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, is uh, Carter driving you home later?
3: <laughs> Hopefully, by the time we're done here, it's like nine PM. So yeah, those are wine strengths.
2: That's serious amount of alcohol. in One beer. Holy smokes, dude.
1: I actually, in order to prepare accordingly for this episode, I put on their calendar because I was traveling. I put on Carter and Isaac's calendar, go get beer for podcast. Like I marked out a section of the calendar so that it couldn't be forgotten one. So they wouldn't end up with gas station beer two and three. So it would truly happen. And I think, uh, as the kids say, they understood the assignment. I think is what I'm seeing. <laughs> they got it right. Wow, you're hip. You're hip to the TikTok.
0: <laughs> I'm also, uh, I'm also not a huge talker, so it helps to like you know get the juices flowing. Same thing, like when I go dancing with my wife. You know, I'm not like the greatest dancer until I've had a few drinks. and I... I'm like, the best dancer on the floor. I'm glad you so. have fun. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think you dance the same. Think the it.
3: only person that has a different perspective is yourself.
2: Then that's, that's Ten enough. 10 times more confident. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Unless
0: you get kicked out. I mean, that's all that matters, for right? just <laughs>
3: poor
1: performance. I have the Casita Cereceria Cake It Easy White Chocolate Cherry Almond Cake. And if that isn't the longest beer name on earth, I don't know what is. But it's delicious. And I picked it because
3: Casita is an awesome brewery out of wilson well
1: puberty is awesome guys also, I had to... so i had to practice saying that brewery name four times before i said it on the podcast i just kept on reading my beer there trying to get it right casita
3: <laughs> casita Cerveceria.
1: that's my voice double so on that note that <laughs> was in korean on that note that wraps up part one of a year in podcasts i'd love to hear your all suggestions we've gotten a little bit of beer um, a few beer comments in the past, but I'd love to hear what other people would like us to try. We are not beer connoisseurs, but we'll drink anything as you can tell by Isaac's um, comments. And Carter's brilliant at tasting beer and I'm along for the ride. I'm entertaining enough. I hope.
3: I will send you a ripstop by the road gift card. If you send a really delicious beer that I love. And I promised I followed through on that with, in a previous episode uh, with someone sending a picture of their Crocs And I will do it again. So, if whoever sends me the best beer recommendation, I will absolutely hook you up. And I promise that. And the team will make sure that I hear about it. So, let them fly. And if it sucks, though, we'll actually (laughs) dock your account. So, don't send anything bad. You'll pay more for shipping. Right away. I promise. Yeah. Yes. We will steal your identity if you <laughs> if you if you send in something bad like that sorry. had to be a highlight of the of the podcast
1: for the last year. I forgot about that when you I can't remember the exact question, but you said like send me a picture of your Crocs in a hammock or something, right?
3: Yeah, because I, I don't even know how we got on that subject, but someone did that, and I promised that I would give them a either a discount or a gift card or something, and they followed through. They even put it in a four wheel drive and mentioned that it was in four wheel drive in the picture. So I had to hook them up and that's how we develop trust here. So I want you to know this is, you know, the second part of that. I will come through on my promise. What about you, Love it.
2: That's a good thing to hear.
1: Part two is the state of the DIY nation. So in, when we had a pre-conversation for this episode, we all had kind of separate topics on what we wanted to cover or what we'd like to see and kind of the, the first question here was, what are things that we'd like to see or where's DIY going? What's going to be new on the DIY market in the next couple of years, five years? And what do we want to see more accessible for makers at home? So let's start with you, Matt. I think you touched on like environmental fabrics or fabrics that are in a more sustainable phase. Elaborate on that more for us. Or just tell us what you're thinking about the future of DIY.
2: Well, if I recall last time you said you had some... You know some secret developments you couldn't talk about or whatever. So I, I don't know how much I should chat about that, but I do think that is a nice thing. Um, you know, like using reusing our waste and turning that the textiles. Like I'm a big fan of that. Even on not, frankly, some crazy environmental nut. Like I definitely do my part, but you know I realize the limitations of being one person or whatever. Um, but like the fabric mills, I think that is a huge opportunity for improvement. Um, you know, I do actually have an addendum. I thought of something else. Um, now what if you could help people with large scale printing of their patterns at home? Because sure, there are a bunch of companies that will do like, you know, bag Buff or myself or whatever that will provide you, um, some tutorial and some big graphics file from illustrator and that, like, okay, here's your pattern. Great. And then you have to find some person that's local and that's not particularly difficult. Like I have a great little printer, small business guy that I support here in Boulder, but, like if you could somehow find a way to do custom uploaded large format printing or the DIY at home. Um, I think that'd be super killer because that would save people a lot of time. And frankly, just like give you way more precision with your DIY projects at home. Um, and I don't think that, you know, like there are free programs for people. So it's not particularly uh, out there to think that people could do that as a first time DIYer either. So, that's that's my uh, that's my idea for you guys. Now, if you turn that into a million dollar uh, revenue adding thing for your business, uh, I don't expect anything, but I would like access.
1: We'll have you on another episode in the future. That'll be your payment. <laughs> you definitely
3: won't get anything. Oh, I'm happy to give you guys now. ideas, but I do think that that kind of follows along with what my answer was. Uh, not to cut the line too much, James, but my comment was similar, right? In the sense, but from the cutting side, right? Like, what I would like to see is that same ideology but also uh applied to cutting at home like the ability to cut some of that some small format stuff more than a i don't think i pronounced it right the first time either but a cricket or cry cut i don't know how you say it but that's like a 12 by 12 or something like that but i would love i think they
4: are cricket machines
3: okay cricket so i would love to see uh something in like the 24 by 24 or even bigger that you could get at home for maybe a couple hundred dollars that would allow you to kind of print out or not print out, like cut out your fabric and use it. I think that would, that would change the game. Cause then, I mean, we could also go to like supplying the DXF for stuff. So we could sell somebody on purchasing the pattern that we designed and then they can just load it into their machine and cut it out themselves. So they're, they're and then they can use that in perpetuity. So yeah, I, uh, I like where your head's at Matt. Uh, I yeah, think similar
2: literally amazing. And it would like very to entry for first time DIYers, um, provided that machine's not incredibly expensive. Like that would help a lot of people. I think
3: it would have helped me and we'll get to that. But in the, uh, in the (laughs) sew off, I would estimate that I spent eight hours probably just on the patterning and Cutting probably more, maybe 10 hours on the patterning and cutting of my sew off item. Um, so that would have helped a lot. That's all now. I'm
1: saying. Both of these actually go very close in hand with Isaac's point,
0: yeah. So <clears throat> I think I talked about uh more accessible like CAD software, and I mean, obviously, like with what Carter just said, like providing DXFs to customers, like that goes hand in hand with CAD software, especially textile specific CAD software. Like you can take that DXF and in most 3d CAD patterning softwares, you can just, you know, import that in and then you can like, you can resize it. You can nest it for different sizes. You can, you can do whatever you want. And I like, that would just be, if you have the ability to alter your patterns then take your patterns to a cutting software, and then print from home onto that fabric. Like there's no limit to what you could do as a DIYer.
1: About this too is I've I've used uh, ZipWorks Pattern Maker recently in the last month or two, and uh, one other pr- I think Learn Miog also has one phenomenal program. You can go in and put down what you want to make and they'll list out a, a pattern for you and it's awesome but the biggest dilemma there for anybody that doesn't know is you get this pattern that's excellent but you need to go take that from your computer and go put it onto paper or cardboard or fabric and these are really specific dimensions i mean, they give you something down to what you, i mean you could do down to the, the centimeter or the millimeter so it's a very specific dimension that you want to recreate with a sharpie and paper and it Inevitably ends up imperfect. So being able to, so I'm imagining getting that template and then being able to get that template cut out perfectly, and that's kind of the combination of what yours, Isaac, with the having the ability to import that to a software, and then what Carter Matter's saying to take that software and then get it into a final product. Is that right?
3: Definitely. I uh, I think it's funny. Uh, the more I think, the more experience you get in patterning and creating things, the more you realize that. The hard part isn't thinking of the thing to make. It's actually and it's not sewing the thing like those skills basically are from the beginning. You figure out pretty quickly. All right. This is how I sew a straight line. It's it's actually in the meat of doing the thing, like cutting the stuff out or drawing it out. That's really difficult, especially for someone like me who is incredibly. I don't know if this is a word, but like in artistic. I am not like I can't draw. So I I don't have those type of skills. So even transferring that into drawing patterns can be difficult for me because that's not like, yeah, I have a ruler, but other than that, I'm not very gifted. I can't just like sketch out what my bag's going to look like freehand or it'll look
0: like, actually, I shouldn't even say what it would look like, but it would be bad. I mean, very bad. That's how a lot of people suck though. But how do you think? So I can't, my best like artistic ability is like, drawing the really cool flames on like a hot wheels looking car. Like I'm, I'm great at that. Like, like some defined lines, you know, like it kind of looks like a flame. Did you make the S in elementary school with the six lines
3: and then you connect? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well then that is the most artistic. Don't sell yourself short, but
0: okay. Well that's the extent of my artistic ability, but just imagine how I felt going to the, wilson college of textiles at nc state university in raleigh north carolina
3: not (laughs) one of the most
0: premier textile schools in the nation being surrounded by all of these students who could like you know draw up a a full outfit with like every you know like notion and detail you know annotated on their on their sketch and i'm just like (laughs) I, i can draw a car this dude has Slender Man with
3: flames. Just all oh, it's like a stick figure with just flames and two S's. He submits that.
2: Was that a requirement? Like was that like a skill that they were expecting you to be able to to do like with great success? Or is that something that they were gonna teach you to do? Or you know, how how did that play into the degree of textile engineering? You know what I mean?
0: So most of it was like after a certain point we were, you know, we just like moved over to CAD software. So it like sketching wasn't necessarily a a requirement but there were like there were electives for 2d and 3d drawing that i like strategically got out of by taking other classes because i don't have any artistic ability whatsoever
3: so from my experience on like the business side of things so justin who is our customer service lead but also our graphic designer like he doesn't i have more experience in CAD software because in 2017, we got the laser probably like three months after I joined on. So like one of my first tasks was creating like the laser business. And so I started building 2d design like at that moment. So it's now been uh, what almost five years that I was working on that. And Justin has been a graphic artist for years. Uh, He's educated in that field. And he took over doing that um, when I changed positions around April. And immediately he was like five times better just because he is artistic. So, like, even though it was just tracing out lines or drawing them, it's just it came so much more naturally to him than it did to me. Because and that's something that I think uh, I can appreciate. uh, in what Isaac's saying is that I totally understand that. I look at Justin making the same DXF for a customer. It would have taken me like six hours to build that. takes him one just because he already knows how it looks in in his head. And I am not that. I I do not have that. I can, however, sing a TikTok song, which does give me some artistic ability. That reminds me of
1: some of our episodes in the past, Avery, where we were talking with... um, I'm going to forget who it is now, but the balance between like the art side and the science side of making where it is very numbers driven and these things need to align. And there, there is a science and kind of a formulaic side to it, but it's also can be very like flow state artistic, like how the lines match, how things match up. And it really is a cool balance. Cause one thing that we talked to a lot of makers about is how they got started in making or what their, what their background in developing products or develop or creating something was in. I mean, some people mentioned, I think Julianne mentioned like Legos, <laughs> like she, they were like, she was a Lego kid growing up where designing and making things was part of her background or even people like uh, um, our adventure sponsors that we talked to in Colorado, uh, Kate and Aiden, who they were like, yeah, we just like projects like a couple of years ago, we picked up pottery and after this we want to renovate our homes <laughs> and they don't, it's, it's kind of, it's more of a, a mind, uh, a state of mind for them of creating and being a part of creating something. And it's kind of a cool balance because a lot of people we get to, we, we embody that through making gear, but how we get there is all is very, very different.
4: Yeah. And I think that a lot of the people that we've talked to and a lot of us can relate that people who are making their own gear are problem solvers with some kind of hand hobby I know it sounds weird but like lego kids like building things with your hands um everyone is like I took home in middle school or high school and started sewing we had a few people say they made barbie clothes so it was just really being like being that problem solver and having that kind of like hands-on experience like I will also say I'm not great at drawing but I am the kind of person that like going back to my Christmas stockings like I just took out like a giant cardboard box and like freehanded a template and just like envisioned it and saw it. But I'm not really a drawler per se, but I am more of like a hand, like hand molding person. Like I want to like make pottery. I think a lot of people have that similar background of wanting to manipulate things with their hands, whether it's like kinetics. If you remember those from like the nineties or Legos or Lincoln logs, but we all have that kind of building block foundation background between all of us. It seems like the one common thread.
2: Oh, I was going to say, can I show you guys my uh, pre-production, like how things kind of start with me? And I have the sheet in front of me. Like it's, I don't know if you'll be, how much you'll be able to see, but there's, there's two sides. Of course it's going to be mirrored reverse, but you'll have one side that's like a basic sketching side. And then another side that's like basic notes and dimensions. So this isn't even how my final project turned out. And it's, it's horrendous. I'm not a good drawer at all. Um, And I was like, oh, well, you know what, I want the basic shape to be. And I did two different shapes on the first one to kind of see what I liked. Then I was like, oh, well, there's different ways to lash together all the different straps, et cetera, et cetera. Then on the other side I was like, well, there's some different notes I need to make like the things I'm going to include the different measurements to do so. Um, And like, that's how things get born with me is like, I'll take just a regular sheet of paper and then I'll go to immediately trying to get down any ideas I have onto a dumb sketch that takes five minutes, you know, cause I'm not good. I don't expect it to be good. And then I'll just make notes of what I would like to change based on how that first sketch looks to me.
3: Yeah. So that's already, both of you guys sound like the people that actually know how to draw and you're like, yeah, but like I suck at it. Like seriously, both of those look better except for Matt. I am questioning the phallic member you have in the middle left. Uh, I look
2: changed in the final design.
3: Okay, I figured everything, that you probably had to did. maybe revise that or manipulate it with your hands. But I just wanted to make sure that it was. <laughs> um, just wanted to see that through. But I think Isaac uh, is similar to you guys, which is funny that Avery mentioned the common thread because there you go. There's Isaac, exact same yep. thing.
1: There's one more thing that I want to say that I think t- coming off of the artistic side of things, the area that I would love to see diy grow in or there to be more potential is for seam welding or rf welding or taping i i really like the aesthetic side of making your own gear that's something that's kind of important to me is that whatever gear i make is, is generally because i don't like the look of something else out there um and i know it's not it's definitely not a performance thing i do want it to perform really well but how how the pack looks in while it's being used or moved or whatever is is really important to me. So I would like to see more fabrics come out in a weldable ability or taping. I mean the ability for DCF I think is huge just from an aesthetics point, from the inside to the outside, how that blends, I think, is crucial. So especially welding is something that I would love to see. And I know it's difficult. And it's not even something that we're necessarily shooting for. We're not against it whatsoever, but it's difficult and it and it can be hard to touch. But I think that the packs like I saw one uh, on the trail on Saturday, somebody had an Architeric's fully RF welded pack, which is like one single, um, strap across the top. And it looked phenomenal. The thing is so clean looking. I was like, man, that's, we just can't make that right now. It's not something that a normal consumer can, can use even.
2: Find us a cheap welding kit. Like, like put us together the DIY Myog welding kit. That gives you the iron that gives you that, you know, hopefully cheaper material. You know, I, I don't know exactly the cost of this. Cause I, That's not something I've looked into much, to be honest. Although I do, like you, admire the aesthetics of it quite a bit.
1: I want to make, I love really clean lines. You know, like I want, for instance, there's this pack behind me. That one I made, that has has a full wraparound pocket. Like there's a whole pocket there. But I wanted that one to be something that looked really, really clean where the water bottles and everything inside the bag would look the same, whether there's stuff is stuffed inside of it or not but that one's not really functional. Like it's not really what I would take on the trail. So bridging that gap between being something that could be fully functional, also looking stunning all the time is, is definitely a personal MYOG goal. And I think that comes with welding.
0: So a uh, product plug here. If you are interested in some fully tapable, heavier weight fabrics, you know, if you're a uh, bushcrafter or tactical type person, uh, you can go check out X50 tactical from XPac on our website it's live now good work you're learning your stuff isaac
2: can i ask you a a tech question on that material um is that material any different like so i i forgot what vendor i purchased it from i unfortunately wasn't you guys because you just launched this x51 black Multicam um x-pack you know with with the plastic pet lining on the inside um is that different from what you guys are offering now or is that is that pretty much the same
0: so it's uh the X fifty one actually has a thousand D, uh, Cordura face, and the, yeah the X fifty has five hundred D Cordura face. The all the layers are the exactly are exactly the same, other than the face. They still have the, uh, aramid X ply, and then they have a point five mil PET okay. backing. Sweet, but Good yeah, enough. the the face is the main difference.
1: Now, uh, there's one final little bit of part two where. I want to touch on future products for ripstop by the roll. And luckily we have just the two guys to talk about uh, to talk about that with, but I'd like to do some reasonable foreshadowing of what the, you know, the next foreseeable future for ripstop by the roll looks like and what we're doing to help DIYers and makers make more and do more and have more.
3: Sure. I can touch on that. Um, Obviously for us, one of the most important aspects of how ripstop by the roll is what it is and has been what it was is through innovation and trying to stay. (laughs) What? That was beautiful. What? Sounded like an incredible tongue twister. (laughs) It is what it is and has been what it was. That follows logic. Basically, you just said it is. Something that embodies our core values is innovation. So we (laughs) want to stay on the cutting edge. We want to be out there listening to the makers like Matt or the makers like Isaac, who before worked here was exploring a degree in textiles and because of that we have lots of stuff in the works that we can't always talk about but that's because they're you know we got to protect that right it's it's our it's our temple as kyle would say um or something like that so uh i can say uh matt touched on this a little bit Uh, he got the gist i think from our previous conversation in that We are definitely exploring uh, other options out there for lamination and things like that. But I think that there's room for the, and I think I said this before, the usual suspects to kind of show their faces out there and create, we're really interested in creating the best products possible. And that also means sometimes the best product means that it's the most available or it's the most uh, cost effective or it's the highest performing and we really want to touch on all of those. So in the lamination department, uh, I would say that there's a lot to come pretty soon. Uh, I think one of the biggest trends that Matt also touched on is eco fabrics in general. And that is a big focus of ours as is, as it is for pretty much every big name manufacturer out there.
1: So to, if you're interested in, or if you're confused by what Carter just said, the best way that we can tidy that up is to say, listen to the next episode. Um, I kind of want to keep that secure for Keith and uh, William from DSM to talk about on their own. And that's in two weeks. And they're about to drop some some big news for all DIYers and makers. So again, that's, we're going to be talking about Dyneema and DSM. In, in two weeks. And that's, if you're, if you're hearing what Carter says, that's the best way I can say where they're going to release new stuff. That's all the other thing I'll say. So Isaac, from a different point of view, um, what else are we looking at getting at rips up other role in the coming weeks?
0: So there's um, there's quite a bit. Uh, so first off components wise, we we're definitely looking at bringing in uh, stuff that, as DIYers, you want to go to one website and buy all of the things that you need for a project on that one website. You know, like I, I hate having to go to like multiple multiple websites and buy like, you know, this, this component from that website and then this fabric from that website. So we're really trying to focus on bringing in the items that will allow our customers to buy everything they need from us. Um, and so with that being said, we we just got a huge shipment of, of, uh, plastic components. So a lot of new buckles, a lot of new, uh, like G hooks and slit clips and like all this stuff that, that a lot of our customers are, you know, are using in their projects because I use them in my projects also. So like it's stuff that we know people want and stuff that we have been trying to carry for a long time that, uh, just hasn't, Happened until now. Um, and then with that being said, also like we're really looking at, and this this kind of goes into like our marketing side as well, but we're really looking at our customer journey. So in addition to like the fabrics and the components that we sell, we really want to try and focus on the, the specific items that our customers want to make. And, you know, whether that's like a backpack or a, you know, some item that is specific to the activity that they are focused on or that they love, like we want to hone in on those activities or those um, uh, topics, yeah, those topics that the customer is interested in, and we want to create the things that they can you know, select by that category and then see what their you know their experience level is. And then from that experience level and then that activity level, then they can choose what they want to make, if that makes sense. So we're really looking at developing our pro our uh DIY projects in addition to the fabrics and components. So a a big shift just to uh what is what is to
3: to, to summarize, to uh, summarize, I think I can help a little bit. There is that we're changing the way that we we're thinking about changing the way that we that customers navigate our site, right? At least for B two C, and that means that when customers come to our comes to our website now, we're kind of serving them up like a ton of technical stuff, and it's everything sorted by uh like different characteristics of the fabrics and labeled all in in a way that might not be the most user friendly for someone who doesn't know kind of why the hell they're even there and so what we're thinking about doing is taking that and saying oh but most customers are here because they want to they're either they're interested in in something to do with the outdoors most likely or maybe lifestyle or travel but something in that realm so instead of Offering the customer like, oh, do you want breathable calendar nylon 6.6, which they don't know what that means, and saying, you really want a windshell that works. Changing the way that we look at that, I think, is going to be a super help for people that, even experienced makers that come on our site and are looking to make something, instead of having to wade through a filtered search of seven different things to find uh, a certain material, we can say, Hey, like this is the activity you want. This is the project you want. These are the fabrics that, that would be used for that. And I think that that will be a huge step in, maybe it's not exactly a new product, but it will change. For some people it will, because there's some stuff on the website that I would say 50% of people have never even found because there's just, it's so difficult at times to navigate and figure out what you're actually looking for. So maybe you'll see a resurfacing of the things that we offered, but they were at the bottom of the page. No offense to the the website creators, but as we grow, we do learn how to serve that up in a in a way that's uh, more visible to people.
2: Well, it's just optimization. Like, but as again, someone that's like on your website like really, really often, um, it's better than most. And I genuinely mean that is better than most. And, uh, again, it's the first website that I ever purchased fabric from years and years ago now. So it, it was easy for a beginner who's at the very least willing to look up the different terms and, and find the information. Um, but like it's one thing that I've still enjoyed about the website, even though maybe this is what you're thinking about changing is the fact that you can do like, I want to make a pack. Here's all the fabrics. i want to make a quilt. Here's all the fabrics like that. Uh, it sounds like you're going to optimize that and I'm all for it, obviously it sounds great, but that has been a pretty useful tool in my estimation.
1: One of the best podcasts I think that we did from a extra user or an external user perspective was our, the product of a, or the life cycle of a product episode that we did with Carter and Isaac, where we chatted about what happened with the products and how they went from the spreadsheets to the sewing tables. And I think to sum up all of this to say that, we're optimizing that process to understand what it is that Matt's actually looking for and getting that to Matt sooner, faster, with a better product instead of guessing. Um, and we're lucky that a lot of us are makers and, and we already kind of know that. So we're just optimizing that and we're really excited. And there's a lot of great things to come. So keep your eyes out for products. I mean, if you've, Kept your eye out recently. You see that we've released four new products in the last couple of months, and there's and there's more to come, and some big products at that, like UVX40 and 1.5 monolight and 0.7 monolight, and there's a lot of crazy stuff happening, and that's all due because of Carter and Isaac's work and us forming this products team. That is, for lack of a better term, sorry mom, super kick ass. So we're, we'll see a lot more of that. Now we got to keep rolling with it because this episode is getting wild uh, in all the best ways. But people do have lives, and I don't want to keep you guys here at work past seven. So part three, probably the most anticipated part of an episode ever, you know, in all of podcasting history. At one point in time, we were like number five in hobbies in Romania or something. So we're probably going to go to number one after this, but we're getting to the so off. Um, I want, please don't ruin, I don't want any secrets ruined here at all, but I just need a brief, very brief overview of how your process went from each of you. And I want to start with Carter. Just give me a very brief overview of what was it like making your project
3: quick pre-answer jameson has requested extreme secrecy so as you listen to this next portion understand that he's been in the same place with us he did go on a quick trip but other than that he's been in the same place with us and has no idea what we've made because he has requested complete and utter just like Total secrecy. I actually so,
1: I went to New Hampshire to visit my family strictly, so I didn't see their projects.
3: That was the reason he actually doesn't even love them. Um so if I could sum it up, uh do can I have a bleep here or yeah, okay. Beep time Avery for later. It f- <laughs> Holy... F- dude. <laughs> I appreciated that Jameson and Avery, probably Jameson only, put uh Something that was challenging for me. And because of that, I did the part of me that we've all talked about in terms of like the common thread and all that stuff, like certainly played a part. And it was, although I waited until like the last three days to make it, it was still invigorating and I still bought in and I was still like cutting it out for hours and sewing it. And I wanted it to be perfect, but it was extremely 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 challenging and i would never do it again
1: yeah just to be clear we had to move the recording date because isaac and carter forgot to make it so we're gonna cut them you know no slack but also i'm really excited to see it because i'm very glad we pushed it further because i wanted to see what they made so uh isaac you have um because carter was riding elevator to the top of the empire state building you have three words to sum up your project (laughs) uh pass (laughs) two more words (laughs) Not bad. <laughs> if you don't have the best sling bag ever, then I'm disappointed.
3: Matt, uh, it's like I say, it was the worst thing I've ever done. I never want to do it again. It was so difficult. I guess ah, pass. Not bad. <laughs> you <Yeah>, know, <laughs> oh, I'm still attentive and I'm still upset that I had to make this <laughs> thing that I made. So
4: wow.
3: wow are you pissed that I mentioned this to you that I mentioned
2: this idea of doing the sew off challenge? Like, are you upset now?
3: We'll actually never be on another episode again, but I'm not mad. Uh, That was someone else. Kyle made that decision. I blame him.
1: How did your sewing process go?
2: Um, Well, it started in the sketch and the random notes, of course. Um, So I had to make a dog pack with no buckles and i've made two dog packs before that's
0: more than three words
2: oh that's all i get
0: it's <laughs> a haiku dude. Uh, okay
2: Here, here's how it went um pain in the ass those are the, those are the same words.
3: the ass is spanish for the ass yep Le pain yep spanish it's one word that's all i give is three I words want to change your
1: words isaac are you going with that
3: <laughs> final answer So let's roll with you matt Pain in
1: the ass, <laughs> and to reiterate: Matt had to make a pack, yep. a dog pack, but without the use of buckles. Now we're going to get into the nitty gritty. I need to know, every need to know, what you made. Well, the design of the actual thing, what materials you used. Be brief. We'll show a picture so they'll dig it up later. Um, but let us see it. Let us actually have the final review.
2: Okay. Well, I've actually got a list of what I used too. Um... Do you want a whole list of the materials or should I just show it to you?
1: Show it to us, baby. Dude, that is dope.
2: All right. So here, let me, let me fix this. Let me, uh, okay. Yep. I went with the classic. I, I didn't want to make the mistake of, of doing a new textile that like, I knew this worked. Um, this is what the past dog packs have all been made out of. It's tough as nails uh lucy has scratched it a million times against trees rocks like you name it so i was like okay pick something that works and you know it's gonna work no question so it's 210 grid stop HTPD grid stop burnt orange uh my classic favorite color of course there's two portions here so the top is like the saddlebags um so i use a 210d and then there's uh the H- triple H waterproof zippers. That's not my normal zipper choice, but I thought that'd be interesting to try out with the beam puller. So it's really easy to put a finger in here and pull the zipper super easily. Um, another thing was this 9.3 ounce mountain reflective, uh, material. That was my first time even touching this stuff. Um, I'm very impressed. Like I shine my headlamp at this and the dog lights up. You see the dog very easily, which is, you know, knowing my dog, she's running around camp in the middle of the night. So, like, this is what I needed. Um, and then another thing, I wrote it down, the 5038 Type 4 Poly Replica Webbing and half-inch orange, burnt orange to match, of course, had to do that. Um, that's my first time seeing that webbing, too. And I'm really impressed. I, the color match is excellent. Like, I'm really stoked on all the matching colors. Uh, I even used orange thread, the burnt orange gutterman thread. So, I went all out. Normally, I just do black thread on everything just because that's what makes sense in a production setting. For this, I was like, okay, I'm going to whip out the all color matching orange for Lucy. Um, Now, the one thing that, since we were allowed one item that wasn't from your site, I was using the 600D polyester reflective fabric. And you'll see it right here uh, as this little orange or this little strip between the oranges. It's basically silver and it also lights up just like the Refla- mountain um, stretch mesh does also use it on these parts and the main reason for that again is like you don't want to lose your dog in the backcountry and mine doesn't you know leave my sight or whatever she's like too much of a fraidy cat to do that so that's not a huge deal but I'll tell you it is definitely really nice when you hear a noise outside your tent and it's actually just a dog walking around uh instead of you know being afraid it's a bear or a raccoon or whatever is gonna get you in the middle of the night so I was really Thoroughly impressed and um, a little bit on the design of of why things are kind of the way they are. Saddlebags are about four inches deep. Um, I don't put that much in the saddlebags. I feel bad making my dog carry too much and I'm willing to like put that physical strain on me instead of her most of the time. So I try to avoid it. But anyway, this is enough for like her dog boots, her bowl. see if I have that in here. Her dog bowl is a fuchsia DCF bowl seam tapes uh this is an outdoor product of course so i had to bring that out um but that's i have really minimal things in here and the construction kind of reflects that too because my dog is a long-haired dog she has a lot of fur so she gets hot and when she's hot she's breathing really heavily so in order to mitigate you know the background noise of heavy breathing which is like my daily soundtrack i decided to use the eighth inch spacer mesh for this whole bottom portion of the saddlebags. And you may be thinking, um, is there anything else? No, if you open the zipper pouch here on the side, it is just the eighth inch spacer mesh. So since this isn't a production design, I decided to do something kind of experimental. And I was like, well, my dog breeds heavy, so I wanna make sure the pack is breathable for it. So that's pretty much how I did it. Um, and the bottom is basically the same way. There's just one layer of 210D, again, the poly webbing. Um, logo patch of course and then the 8th and Spacer Mesh I didn't use any foam she's not carrying that much weight you know she's 80 pounds but I make her carry probably 5 pounds at the max so I figured that you know it it doesn't require the foam even though maybe in a production setting or from the competitors in the production setting that's what they'd be using so
1: you just discovered that Carter's dog could fit in your dog's backpack
2: oh yeah our other dog could fit in one of the saddlebags Uh, little 6 pound multi-poo Zoe she could easily fit. I mean, but this is only about 13 inches long. It's not huge, but it's enough. If it was a multi-day trip to fit all the food and and perhaps the water. Um, And perhaps the the last thing is this, I mean, the stretch pocket, what I find myself doing really often is keeping a leash on the pack. But in a lot of places here in Boulder, you don't need to have your dog on a leash. Um, You know, I pay the Boulder dog tax of 20 bucks a year and, you know, without any verification from the state, they're just like, oh, give us $20 and you can have your dog off leash. And so, of course, I do that. You know, I'd be a fool not to because she pulls my shoulder out. So sometimes you want the leash. Maybe you see a moose like I did last weekend or mule deer or whatever. So you want it to be kind of quickly deployable. So all I do is I have like a six foot uh, leash. This is another one of your products. I forgot what it is. The one inch poly webbing, burnt orange, matches perfectly with a little elastic here so that when you pull it, you have a little bit of give and then all I'll do is I'll just stuff it right in here while she's wearing it. And I can stuff other stuff like dog waste bags or, you know, even the bowl or like small accessories like that stuff that you kind of want during the day. So yeah, I spent a while thinking about the design on this one. I was like, yeah, I've done two previous dog bags. I didn't want to make a one that wasn't going to improve on the last ones. And based on the harness system, which is like kind of a funky design that fits this, is their chest where the logo is. And then this goes behind her legs with kind of a V-shaped webbing design. Um,
1: How did you, uh, how'd you get it to close without the buckles? Let's, let's see it's that. It's
2: all ladder locks. So up here there's, there's ladder locks um, attached to the saddlebag portion. So ladder lock here, another one here, and then another one here. And then once you put this over her neck, then there's two pieces of webbing. Well, it's actually the same piece, but it's in a V and Bartek down. You take that and just thread it through similar to having like a vest strap. Because you mentioned that to me, you're like, oh, I wonder what a dog vest strap pack would be like. And I was like, well, I experimented with like three or four other ideas and like threw away other prototypes because of it. Um, and I ended up just landing on something really simple of just having this V shape on the harness and then going into two ladder walks so in a production version definitely i'd be using buckles like no doubt right like that'd be so much faster but it actually worked super good and i trail tested it last weekend so she beat it up on like an 18 mile overnighter and you know hit rocks with it um just worked the whole time and didn't carry too much but carried enough to you know see how it would stay on her and i was really surprised with that that v portion with the Two strands of webbing to these two ladder locks kept it really stable. So I'm pretty pleased.
3: It looks beautiful. So uh, I'll kick off the questions, right? Because there's got to be plenty for all of us. What would you say was the most difficult aspect of the project outside of the obvious omission of buckles?
2: Sizing, 100%. Um, and that's so dumb because I measured the dog, I measured my dog, and I was like, okay. Here's my measurements i wrote them down in that little sketch sheet and i was like okay great i'll take the pattern i got the pattern printed i was like this will be totally accurate first try no question and then i made it and then i put it on there i was like this is not this is way too small this didn't fit at all and so i had to recycle a little bit and maybe this shows off my workmanship. maybe i shouldn't show you but there's um these orange stitches right here so i made the saddlebag portion but this middle portion was just way too small. It was like maybe three inch. And so I moved it to six and three quarter inch. And that was the magic size for the top of the saddlebags to keep them both down and kind of level so that they don't go like this while they're on her. And one is at the top and one is at the bottom, which is like the main trope that I've seen with dog bags. So I would say that was the hardest part. Otherwise, I was kind of familiar with the project even though I hadn't done one as intricate as this. So that was the hardest part was getting that sizing right and the balancing right.
1: Really impressed with the contouring you did on the chest piece there for the underside Um, specifically the one that, yeah, right there, that one, that X shaped, I don't even know what to call that. But that's a tough cut. I mean, it's also a tough measure to get the right, to go under the neck, around the shoulders, down the rib cage, and around the legs. Uh, I'm really impressed. That is solid. When people see that, they're going to they're gonna be impressed.
2: And the way this is possible, like to have this contoured shape, and you could have done a couple methods, I suppose. Um, basically, what I did was I got the right pattern size, and then I cut out the spacer mesh and the 210D. And I stacked them on top of each other, the orientation I wanted. So the whole side of the spacer mesh towards her belly, the 210D out towards the ground. And then I put three quarter inch uh, nylon grosgrain webbing, um, well not webbing, just the ribbon, um, and use that as a binding. Generally, I don't recommend that. I would say go to one inch for binding because three quarter inch is kind of difficult to do. And I did this whole thing by hand, which as you can tell, it's not an easy shape to do that. Um, so I recommend one inch, To anyone who would ask but i used three quarter because i thought that would rub her less and that's kind of one of the issues i've had with the past dog packs is webbing will kind of rub um you know like in her underarms or armpit areas basically and get her like matted hair so that was something i wanted to avoid and that's why i kind of chose this wacky shape and had to do this ribbon on the outside
0: so my, my question is more like design focused and this could probably be like a, a plug for your, if you, you know, adopt this into your product line. But what would you say sets this dog pack apart from, you know, other dog packs that are available on the market?
2: Well, I think for starters is the exterior fabric. Um, like the only competitor that I know, and maybe I'm showing my hand here a little bit, but the only competitor I know is Ruffwear. Um, And also Bird Gear, they're another cottage company. Um, I admire both of them for the things that they do, but I haven't seen anyone use these UL textiles. Um, Both of them are using like kind of -of run-of-the-mill Cordura style of materials. And to me, that leaves some desire for innovation. Like this stuff has been so tough on any bag I've ever used on it, including dog bags. So I feel like it's a natural fit. Um, I think another improvement is probably And again, I don't know if this is the production version either, but having just ventilation um, instead of having the waterproof layer there, there's a waterproof layer in the center just for strength, but on the sides, it's all mesh. And the reason I did that is I don't know about everyone else's dog, but my dog is never leaving the water. When she sees it on the trail, my dog is always like, if she sees water, boom, she's in, there's no stopping her. It's instant. There's no hesitation. She's in the water. She's swimming. She's a wet dog. And so for me, it was like, there shouldn't be a waterproof pack because everything in here should be in a Ziploc bag or ready to get wet anyway. If you don't expect that from your dog on a backpacking trip, I mean, I'm sorry, you're just not very realistic. So I was like, okay, well, I can avoid that and at least just have a holy mesh that's going to just drain the water, instantly and kind of dry fast. So that, that's my thought process behind the design and why it's a little different, um, and I won't say it's the most innovative product out there. You know, In fact, I'll probably have to do a lot more thinking on that before I release anything. But um,
1: What I like about what you've done is I feel like ultralight backpacks and ultralight backpacking companies have finally given people taper or styled backpacks for them, right? Backpacks that fit their needs. And what you've done compared to other competitors, should we say, is that you've made a backpack that fits Lucy, which is so cool. And again, just a great plug for why MYOG is so cool. So quickly, Matt, can you touch on maybe the hardest part or the worst part <laughs> that you had to go through or notable aspects in the making process. If there's a good story or two that you could share about, uh, trying to put that together.
2: Well, I mean, the worst part was the sizing. Like I said, I mean, and I'll show you that. Let me move some stuff here. See how there's orange stitching underneath. That was me having to adjust my pattern after the fact of already going out and getting it digitally printed on wide format paper. So I was pretty confident. I was like, Oh, great. This will be a one shot hack, I'll be done. And it was not the case. And at that point I was like, well, I really wanted to use these new zippers and all this material. I was like, I'm not, I don't let stuff go to waste if I can avoid it. Um, For a customer's project, that's a little different. But for this one, I was like, I'm not going to just throw it away. I, I can't just do that. The saddlebags came out exactly how I wanted them anyway. So that was the hardest part is I went out and got the digital pattern and then just had to completely redo it. And I redid it by hand. So the chest and, and that's how all my patterns have started. FYI. Um, this, this was hand drawn onto cardstock. This is not lasered. Um, and neither was this piece when I had to add it after the fact, I'm kind of old school in that way where I like the analog style of drawing out the paper and cutting it out. And, um, sometimes I'm obsessed with the symmetry and the measurements and other times like it doesn't make that much of a difference. Like this looks pretty symmetrical to me. So I'm pretty happy with that. And, um, Hardest part was the sizing, and probably the binding on the edges. Uh, binding on the edges is not great, and I don't have a cylinder bed machine, and I figured you guys didn't either, so I thought that would at least be fair. So I just did it by hand by folding it in half and clipping it for the entire perimeter of each one of these projects, because um, I kind of view them as two separate pieces, if that makes sense, um, and both of which required at like you know a prototype and then the final design. So I have another chest guard piece that was too small. I also had to kind of toss that to the side too.
1: All in all, Matt, I'm incredibly impressed. It looks phenomenal. The color matching, your binding work is well, seconds done <laughs> ever. That is not too bad at all. I'm impressed, and we'll let the people voice their their feelings about it soon. It'll when it hits the the inter social webs. Isaac, are you ready to break this thing out?
0: Yeah, I am. Let me uh, run to the other room and grab it real quick.
1: So while Isaac's running and grabbing that, Isaac, in the part one, we detailed how Isaac just got into fanny packs, has loved it, worn it everywhere, seemingly. And now we tasked him with making a sling bag, but without the use of any webbing or grow grain or anything that Matt used, largely, (laughs) minus the fabric and spacer mesh. I need, we need a, we need a drum roll for Isaac. Ready? Go ahead, it, Matt.
0: <laughs> All right. So here it is. I know it's difficult to see in my, in my uh, webcam here. Um, but we'll definitely get some more pictures and B roll. Wow. Uh, so my design for this was, I on the front here. Uh, hold on one second. So on uh, on the front here, I have a uh, side zip front pocket with nine point three Dyneema stretch mesh. Um, and then on the top, I have a quick access pocket with number three YKK zippers. All right, and then. I can, the So on this side, I have a, a small uh, reflective shock cord um, attachment system. And this is my one thing from uh, not from Ripstop inventory that I used. And this is a product that's coming soon. So stay tuned for that reflective shock cord in multiple sizes and colors. Um, And then, so this, this adjusts here so you can, uh, you know, put different size objects in this, uh, in this shot cord. So then moving on to the main opening.
3: Did you show the back already?
0: Not yet. Okay. Uh, So the main opening is a DCF, a blue 1.43 DCF collar. um, And it's, So it closes and opens with a uh, a shock cord closure here. And then we have a roll top. This is the most awkward thing I've ever done. (laughs) You guys are doing great. Keep up the good work.
2: It looks good, man. I'm loving it. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: uh, all right, so DCF collar. And then the main body of the bag I'm in with uh X50 Tactical in black. So it's tapable. And on the inside I have um the collar is taped uh with the i don't know if you can see that (laughs) okay Okay. all right so it's it's fully taped that's the important part (laughs) um and then on the inside i also did a um a dcf little pleated pouch that um kind of toggles in
1: like a removable wallet type of deal
0: yeah so dcf pouch and then it's uh it's pleated so it kind of like expands depending on what you need to put in it and then that that's uh that attaches on the inside with shock cord and cord locks so then so then the the shoulder strap is quarter inch spacer match and tactical x50 and i have a half inch bcd with uh 2.2 zing it in silver and then that connects to a line lock adjuster down here at the bottom and that uh that's what provides your adjustability for the shoulder strap.
1: Brilliant. I'm really impressed. We, I knew it was going to be a big task without webbing, without grow grain. These are integral parts of most all packs. (laughs) I mean, any and every pack has it on there And, and the ones that don't use it, at least in a minimum way to bind or to make daisy chains. So I'm, I'm excited to hear, did you know you wanted to go with the strap, with with a zinget piece because I know I mean the friction there is, is a big piece and a really a difficult piece while keeping tension on the strap. Uh, what was your design thought process there when you knew you couldn't use webbing or gorring?
0: Yeah, so the the Zing it was kind of my original thought process, and I knew that I wanted to use like some knots to make it you know attach and look clean. Uh, but the difficult part was figuring out like the how I was going to attach the BSTDs to the strap if that makes sense. So for all of the places that, or for most of the places that you would normally use webbing or grain or some kind of, you know, flat woven material, which would classify as webbing, I used uh, the UVX 40 that we just released um, from XPAC. So you got it and like that, that's why. Yeah, so <clears throat> so basically I just took a uh, either a one-inch uh, wide strip or a two-inch wide strip, and folded it over almost like a a bias binding um and sewed that down to make somewhat of a, a webbing replacement i guess um and then that's sewn into the the end of the strap there
4: i think that's brilliant i would have never have thought to have done something like that um it's
2: just really looks
4: real good i have a quick question for you have you um like tested it out have you taken it out on like a bike ride or like to a place where you've used it and if so what is something that you would change about your design
0: yeah so i i was gonna go for a camping trip over the weekend um but the weather did not cooperate but i still loaded it up with like Uh, a hammock and rain fly and like a bunch of stuff and like my camp chair. And the biggest thing that I would probably change would be the length of the, the shoulder strap. Um, I I'm like kind of a, a larger guy. uh, But this, like this strap is just a little short and the, like the, the zing it just kind of like cut into my, my chest so i I would probably make this strap a little bit wider and a little bit longer yeah uh to account for like a little bit heavier loads i guess
3: one thing i'll say that i think is really cool uh is that a i love the roll top design and you don't really see that a lot i think that um but the the coolest thing that i saw is in the back where the spacer mesh is is actually a pass through you can unclip the shoulder strap And hide it away and carry it from the roll top like a briefcase. Or you could also pass webbing through there and wear it just like a roll top fanny pack or a, like a lumbar pack from the back for like when you're riding bikes. And I thought that was super cool and super versatile, versatile, Uh, but yeah, overall the aesthetic of just having like the blue and the gray and the black together is just really awesome. Jameson has it now and he looks like he's about to cry. So I'll let him talk about it.
1: Earlier we were talking
3: about aesthetic of lines and one Isaac, and
1: I absolutely love this uh, diagonal zipper. I just think it's, it's super cool. You know, it's, it's not one of those things that you would want potentially for the best, um, the best functionality, but I think, just like I said, from an aesthetic point, I love it. It's intriguing. It adds interest. It adds like a, a, a value point that you don't see elsewhere instead of just adding at the very, very top. Also, I actually really, really like the accent points as the grow green. That's something that I often think about using as, as something that doesn't stand out. You know, like the green or webbings are things that I want to blend in or kind of not be a noticeable bit. But here, I really like how they add a really nice pop of color in a, an intriguing way, but it's not gaudy or anything. You know, when I saw the UVX 40, I saw you briefly working on it, and I was like, oh, gosh, what is this going to be? <laughs> a little part of me was maybe a little bit concerned, but I think it looks really nice. It's really, really clean. Um, I'm really impressed. What was the what was the worst part? Was there a piece that was just horrible to sew?
0: Uh, yeah, the UVX40 is, um, if you haven't gone to our website and checked out the new UVX40 that's live now. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> um, Christ. <laughs> he does, to be clear, <laughs> he doesn't
3: get anything out of saying that. That's pure excitement. He's doing a good job.
0: I'm, I'm just super invested in our products and the things that we sell. So, um, yeah, so the UVX 40 is a uh, the face is a uh, roughly 40% ultra PE blended fiber. And so that basically just makes it a a super tough fabric. And when I folded that uh, like three plus times to make the, the cord or the webbing substitute, it was just super tough and super thick. And I'm pretty sure I went through three needles on sewing some of those parts. I was there and
3: like so typing an email was... and all of a sudden you just hear uh, this might be a bleep, but oh, shit. And it was like the needle breaking in half right in front of hold his on. eyes. Hold
1: on, hold on. It was first we heard like the sewing machine like nin, 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 and all of a sudden you are
3: shit. <laughs> Big old pop first. <laughs> Did it explode?
1: The needle exploded, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so that that was definitely uh the most difficult part was sewing some of those uh thicker spots. Even with our industrial high lead um yeah, some of that uh that UVX forty folded multiple times, plus the X fifty. Like, it was it was thick. It was, it was thick?
1: I can't remember, Isaac. Were were you on the bushcraft episode? Is that the is that your episode? <laughs> two two of the burliest fabrics on the website. For I, for I thought
3: back. it was funny that he chose. Well, yeah. it worked out perfectly, but he chose like two brand new materials that he onboarded as his materials. <laughs> so I I love that. Also, yeah, that bag is thicker than a bowl of oatmeal, as they would say in the olden times. Right, thick with two C's.
1: Two C's. Speaking of two C's, Carter. That's yeah.
3: All right. So, for my unveiling, I designed this pattern to not fit me currently, uh, because that would be too much material. But I ultimately decided for it to fit me previously, as well as my friend James. So what I'm going to have him do is step off camera and put my cycling jersey that I made on and then step away. And then I will come to his camera and kind of show what it is. And to be clear, he has never seen this before, so he has no idea what he's about to see.
1: Can you come put it on me?
3: Absolutely not, but I will pass it to you. All right, we're going to be gone. We'll be right back. so can everybody see what's going on you got a good view all right so i've chosen the 10 ounce flow mesh for the body which i thought i was thinking like a you know two season fall to winter it, it, it's a little bit thicker um this is the uh what's this curl it's curled prime one, uh, prime one abalone. abalone so it's like a <laughs> It's pretty intense of a pattern, but I thought that it would be pretty sweet. Um, so you can see this is a full jersey. This has a full implemented collar. It's fully stretchy all the way around. Uh, all of the seams are surged and then sewn. So there's, you know, all the stretches remain. If <laughs> um, it surged. turns around, you can see that in the back there is the nylon 6.6 mountain reflector Whoa. mesh pockets. They're absolutely enormous. You could literally put Red Paw back. Lucy would fit. I also have included a like duckbill back, so this covers his butt. Like when you're cycling and bent over, don't please don't do that again. Um, but it just like most of the popular cycling jerseys, it has a tapered back. I can't take full credit. I did research this a lot on the internet and the base pattern I did not draw by hand as creating apparel would be pretty much impossible to not derive that from somewhere from my experience level. I've, so on the sides, I included the 1.5 monolite because as someone who likes to ride, a problem I see a lot is being sweaty. So in this case, your whole side is completely breathable. It's still really durable and it matches but it's very breathable so you get some air here but it doesn't even in the fall it doesn't like you're still going to shed that wind as you're riding but expel the heat that you have on your sides so the best part i would say and the worst part i would say is the front so originally and in some of the videos that you guys will see later i had designed a you know i found out that jameson was like hey we're, we could add one thing that's not from ripstop and i was like hell yeah I'm doing magnets because my, the caveat of what I created was that I could not use zippers. So I designed. Actually, I will grab what this I designed for, for the semen can. So oh, I, see it. I created <laughs> a this little system here that would have gone in between these layers that has small magnets. Let's see small magnets that would go in between. So it would be just like zippers and they would connect together and magnetize. Well, let me tell you something. Don't ever try that. Cause I spent six hours trying to get that to work <laughs> on my anniversary, oh, no. my one year wedding anniversary. That was my fault. By the way, I waited like, you know, three and a half weeks to do it. I tried and tried it, This stick, this connects to every machine that we own. So every time you try to sew it, it magnetizes (laughs) to the bed of the machine. And I knew that. So I had clips protecting it from touching the bed of the machine. And I tried. I got one side done. And I said, I'm never doing this again. If I embarrass myself, whatever. (laughs) So at the last minute, I said, you know what? I got the reflector mesh on the back for the pockets. I had my wife put this on. And I saw that, hey, like, you know, the zipper would bring this close together like that but that you don't really need that. You really just need some way to block some of the collar. So I put some more reflective mesh in a V that would probably fit anywhere from my wife to, well, probably me for Jameson. This is about where I would like it to be. So it still has some stretch. So if he was a little bit bigger, you know, he went to golden corral a few too many times, it would still fit and stretch, but it's not weirdly like poking out like some sort of weird, like, uh, ooh, I almost said something very bad. <laughs> it's, it's where it should be. It's
1: right where it should be,
3: yeah. So, uh, as far as the the edge, like I said, everything is fully hemmed. The sleeves, I think, fit him pretty well, too. But yeah, that's my uh, design. So, this is reflective here. The whole back, back here is completely reflective, which is really important when you're riding. This is bound with elastic and fully stretchy, so these could fit, like, You know, maybe three or four infants if you happen to steal some from the local orphanage or or whatever you're doing. Makes sense, yeah. Or an 80 pound dog, yeah. Mm. So here's him putting something up, like a Yeti coffee mug in there or something, but it's completely gone. This is also known as
1: Carter or uh, Isaac's 9 a.m.
3: Yep. But yeah, so uh, you guys can see some more. I know it's hard to see with the bright colors and everything and it being on another human being, but. That is uh, the extent of what I created, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I will continue some of that if you guys have questions. Once I put my headphones back on, how soft is that? Um,
2: that stretch material—it's
3: actually very soft. It feels great. It just feels a little bit heavy, which is why I was like, "All right." So I could go for the lighter, but also the. So one thing that informed my decision was that a lot of people wear like cycling jackets jerseys vests whatever specifically around the time that it starts to get colder so i was like ah well if i use the thicker a it's easier to sew b it's still really soft and then c you know i'll pretend like it's because i was doing it for the temperature
1: first question carter is how did you know my exact dimensions
3: (laughs) (laughs) so i've I've been your exact dimensions for many years the pandemic and such treated me poorly and so i have you know maybe changed sizes a bit, a bit, a, <laughs> a bit since then but ultimately i sized it after like an xl so i used the dimensions that i thought would be that and also when i had some help creating the pattern that was also the xl size so i can't take full credit for that
4: I have two quick questions. Sure. Um, one, what is your surging experience? And two, what is your clothe, clothing making experience? I know we've we've touched on it maybe in the past before, but for people who might be new to this episode.
3: Uh, so surging experience, I've done very little. I would say maybe like two projects, two to three projects. Uh, we just got a serger because I wanted one for a long time in the shop. I previously used a regular home machine at, with a zigzag that I just overcast off the edge to simulate that. It's not the same. It's not even remotely close to the same. The serger is not that expensive, and it it was phenomenal to use because it it cuts the edge off for you. It's, it's way easier than, than sewing. Well, I mean, that's coming from someone that's sewn for like seven or eight years. But it, it for me, it was way easier. You can see Jameson now showing some of the the work there as far as uh clothing making i have very again very very limited experience this was very hard for me um i've made some uh fleece and down hats i've made a pair of mittens and none of them were good one fleece hat was pretty good i would say because i took the z-packs fleece hat and i cut it apart and just made a pattern out of it and then yeah so i have not i have no clue how to make apparel yes i would agree (laughs) like i have no clue on how to make apparel and because of that this was I, i realized that in order to service the customer that wants to make apparel we have to do a way better job of preparing them for that because this was it was really hard like it to have it look like a garment that actually fits like when Jameson was wearing it, it didn't look weird. It was very difficult. And that was with having like researching patterns on the internet. And I was able to take a pattern and print it out and trace it. I mean, I changed it quite a bit from the original pattern, but still, ultimately if I had drawn that freehand, it would have looked, it wouldn't have even worked. There would have been no way for me. Whereas if I was making like a, you know a dog pack or a sling bag something easy like that you know mm-hmm. i probably could have just drawn that in my notebook with a couple freehand drawings but i'm just kidding I, I know they were all hard but for me it was really challenging but it was really fun and i love the way that it turned out i will never wear it i'm probably going to give it to jameson because i think judging by his looks at me he wants to keep it forever so i'm going to give it to him but yeah if you guys have any questions. Uh, ask me i uh hopefully with the pictures you'll be able to see a little bit more of what i included but yeah go ahead matt
2: what uh for the people at home what pattern did you base it off of so that they could perhaps purchase it and try to make their
3: own so there were two two patterns that i kind of combined together one of them the one that i actually printed out was hold on let me let me look to make sure one second
2: see i've had good experiences with um green pepper Like, I've also got very limited clothing experience, like uh, two fleeces, um, like sweatshirt fleeces and like a wind suit. I call it the space suit, which is just like uh, your one ounce uh, calendared. uh, I forgot what it was. It's one of your products uh, for quilts. And I took that and turned that into an orange wind top and wind pants. And so I have a full orange suit, uh, the NASA suit. You know, I need to put some sort of NASA embroidery on it. But anyway, like it's, it's all based off green pepper. And I empathize because clothes are really tough and like
4: Dude. the thing
2: about, yeah. The thing about those patterns is they tell you like, they're like, Oh, what are your measurements? It's like, okay, great. We have 50 different patterns for you to pick from and you cut out based on that sizing. So I empathize with wanting to base off one of those because clothes are tough.
3: Yeah. I think
4: you forgot the uh, loincloth. The
3: you- loincloth is special because my measurements were off the chart. So for me to make it,
4: well, both of
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What happened in the so monolite? We both have
4: experience in making loincloths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loincloths for fit. me are
3: just a normal thing because every year, like I said, like my grandpa asked for one. So I just... I did. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, killed him with the last one. It was uh, a little too see-through for him.
2: Wow. <laughs> now, what's more see-through? The 1.4 DCF or the monolite? Because... My DCF1 really is uh even the gray, even the gray, not even the translucent portion. The gray is too see-through. You
3: know? Monolite is pretty much like when you first open your eyes when you wake up in the morning. Mm. It's about that see-through. So, maybe wow. 5%. Wow. Um but yeah, I as far as the pattern, so I looked it up and it was called the fair trade FEHR surf city pattern so i actually used a like rash guard pattern starting out and somehow that website also had a cycling pattern so those like kind of combined but yeah like the even like having a pattern the hard part was like once you cut it out after 10 hours was the sewing because those patterns are so intricate that you're often sewing like a complete circle onto an opposite of a circle. So you're like trying to make that fit, which is extremely extreme. If you, even if you've sewn uh, like a circle, uh, like a square or a, what is it called? We a circular bottom uh, stuff sack, a round bottom. That's what we call it. A round bottom stuff sack. You know how hard it is. So imagine doing that where one circle is going one way and the one's going the other way. That's what yeah. making clothes is like. And it yeah. was, I felt at many times like I was alone in the world. But Now, would you say that the
1: omission of a zipper actually hurt you at all? Because looking at this, I don't know if that would have made it any easier.
3: Oh, yes, dude. I So from the, from the start, I was like, dude, the hard part is going to be everything else, which I think was also true. But I actually spent about four to six hours just on replacing the zipper because I made it as if the zipper was there because I wanted to fill it in. Basically, my idea was to take fabric and replicate the width of the zipper, but then use magnets. But when that didn't work, I really was kind of stuck. And it wasn't until I think actually Isaac put it on. I took this later at the time I didn't realize, but Isaac put it on very, I know we weren't supposed to show each other, but I was desperate. Okay. He put it on in just like right before the moments of the completion.
1: A different guy, Isaac, not that Isaac. Totally yeah, a separate. different one. Mm-hmm.
3: And I saw that there was a V in the cutout of how he was wearing it. Right? Like, even though the zipper would have brought it together, there was still a space. I didn't think, in, to be clear, I did not even think of that. I was just seeing if it, what it would look like on him. He didn't really look at the intricacies other him, other him. My wife this weekend, as I was still working on it, put it on. And I saw that V again and I was like, ah, so there's a space where the zipper would be that could be filled. And that's when I decided to do like a stretch V so that if you were skinny or big, it would kind of fill that void without being weird. And it wouldn't look like you were wearing a Miami vice, 1970s, like, down to the belly button open like open shirt
1: so to be clear you made your wife put this
3: multiple times (laughs) at one point so she came so it was our uh one year wedding anniversary yesterday And um, I was here for probably awesome, four hours but
4: I do And at one really point the, She was watching
3: a scary like, ass Netflix mock, show Called I don't
4: want to call it uh, like a Midnight Mass Which
3: is from house. the people that did like The Haunting of Hill House If you've seen that But <laughs> really awesome Netflix show that's like horror Or whatever And It was scaring me really bad to the point where I almost like Stitched off the side of, her, <laughs> of The thing when I was sewing it But eventually I was like hey babe could you just try this on once She's like, okay, fine. She tries it on, and I forgot to measure something. So I was like, "Could you try it on again?" She's like, "Seriously, it's our anniversary." <laughs> so, yes, I fought through the fires and the flames to make this possible, and I hope that I hope that all enjoy what I've made because it was really hard.
2: Can I tell I, you my proposed solutions to your problem?
3: Uh, definitely
2: like how I would have gotten over the zipper conundrum. Okay. First easiest cam snaps.
3: Yep. I, th- I tried that first. So yep. the thought was either. So in any pattern, right. You have like the space where the zipper would go. Right. So my, before magnets, I actually was like, well, in those flaps, I'll just put cam snaps. But to do that, you still have to add like the flaps that will go over and under to make up the space where you cut the V. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do the snaps, Jameson had already said that we can use one thing that's not from ripstop. So then I got fixated on magnets to be clear. That's cheating. And why I didn't use it is because it didn't work, but also (laughs) because I believe in the purity of what we agreed on. Mm. And it was to not use anything except for what is from ripstop. So that's Mm. what I did. But yes, Cam snaps are what I started with, and then I only went to magnets because I was like, well, I got to make it like super cool.
2: Can I tell you about solution number two? This is my last one. If Um, it's
3: good, then yes. If it's not good, then also yes. No, it's amazing. And I know
2: that you had the access to this because you went to the same outdoor retailer, the show that I went to. You're
3: going to say Fidlock. Yeah. I knew you were going to fucking say that.
2: Dude, they had the the tape, the tape that literally snaps together. We, we have samples
3: of that. but I we don't see it on your it. shirt. Where is couldn't it? Couldn't find it. Isaac I don't see over it here. I literally mm. had him look for it because he ordered the samples sure. of it. Right. Is that not true, Isaac? Say the truth. Right
0: that is true i ordered those samples uh but then i let carter look at it and wow. yeah, it's, oh, it's my forever. fault now
3: dude
2: see you weren't but persistent yes. enough see i went in there with me and my two friends and we got so much of that magnetic tape that is unbelievable i've made out from the fedlock booth like a bandit i make sure that i get my money's worth it out to a retailer and i wish you should have done the same i mean
3: it worked well like- it's good stuff i mean what can i say for it isaac looked everywhere for it that's what i wanted to use so then well that's where i went down the path of trying to make my own Mm. i left with
2: a hundred dollars of hardware from that (laughs) you wouldn't believe it; they were just handing it out and and i'm making eye contact with this guy chatting with and that's like that's how He's like yeah take as much as you want i'm like are you sure are you sure i should take as much as i want because that's this entire stand that you have out here and he's like yeah go ahead and i'm like all right cool stuff in my bag full um I stuffed 30 liters of stuff in my backpack for that, from that.
3: Yep. What, I'm, what I'm proud of is that my product will never harm someone that had mm. a previous heart issue. So if you have a pacemaker, <laughs> you can use my product because whenever I was starting out, I was like, look, this might hurt people that have a pacemaker. And now, see, I was actually being friendly mm. towards the people. I was really thinking about that. You I'll heard it, you. it here
2: first. Red Paw Packs is not sensitive to people with pacemakers. Red Paw Packs. Bag- we use magnets. People. I'm
3: sorry. If you have heart problems, do not shop at Red Paw Packs. We discriminate,
2: unfortunately. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> My God. But, but no, nah, it, was, it was really fun, and I'm glad that I was challenged. But also, it was – I don't know if I've said this yet. It was terrible. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, and I'll never do it again as long as I live unless it means that I will have to keep my dog or my wife alive. If it's one of those two, I'll do it again. Otherwise, I, I mean, I would say I would estimate 20 to 24 hours of work that were put into that. And that's with pretty much stealing the actual pattern. (laughs) And it was still just so hard, but it it was good.
2: It looks good. Thank you.
3: Yeah.
2: For real. It looks very good.
1: So in closing, I'm incredibly impressed. Matt, I think yours is probably the most polished. It looks so clean. Isaac, yours has got to be the most inventive. Uh, just the way you used Amsteel steel specifically. <laughs> I'm really impressed. And especially to see how that how those things stay. And then Carter, I am so impressed. You, um, I, I was hoping in my mind, I didn't want to tell you this, but I was hoping you're going to use magnets. I just had in my mind that would be by far the coolest way. I'm really glad you didn't use cam snaps because those seemed really lame. Nobody wants to be like at a stop and get warm and just be like, you know, start like ripping. It's like old basketball sweatpants. I don't think anybody wants that. So, uh
2: yep. yep.
1: Guys, we are pushing two and a half hours of recording. Um, this will get cut down to be a reasonable length episode with all mostly appropriate things said in it. Probably not, but it'll be cut down to a reasonable length. Um, you all crushed this. I'm so happy. One of the goals of this episode was to sort of redo the sew-off that we did in episode five because it was such a uh, colossal failure. <laughs> um, we wanted to redo it in a more meaningful way, but also a more exciting way in a way that engaged people. So first of all, Matt, we're super glad to have you on the show, man. We've, we've talked, we've known about you since I came here. You're one of the first cottage vendors i ever looked at after kind of entering the sphere. So we've wanted to have you on for a while, but it had to be the right moment. Um, and this felt like the perfect moment to have you on the one year anniversary. We love to see what you do. And we're really glad that you got to be here. And for the listeners, we I think we can say thank you for making that fanny pack that we're going to give away soon.
2: Of course I'm honored to be here. I mean, like literally, this is how I started my journey. Like, you know, I'm just some dumb college kid with an $80 machine, like not that long ago, it turns out, uh, 2017, I think I figured out the year for that, and, and my first order of materials is from you guys, uh, first DIY kits, uh, that, I mean, that's how I learned how to sew, so I kind of owe it to you guys in some sense, too, so I'm really happy to be here and uh, chat with you guys, it's pretty surreal, so uh, thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. For all your ultralight backpacking needs, check out Red Paw Packs. Just quick little plug. Um, they make amazing packs. Check them out. And as you heard, local to to Boulder, Carter Isaac, you guys crushed it. I know we uh, dreaded this quite a bit in a lot of ways. Carter had many choice words for me, on on the uh, on the project that he had, and I got a lot of texts this weekend, um, and none of them about anything other than the cycling jersey.
3: <laughs> all love, bro. Mostly all love.
1: It, you crushed it absolutely slayed the game love to see it and Avery thanks for always keeping us in check and making this podcast possible if it wasn't for you giving Kyler Kyle a ridiculous idea and actually making it happen don't know where we'd be
4: yeah thank you Jameson again for putting this together and Matt for joining us and super impressed with all of you I'm really excited to see everyone's response Um, So make sure that you go to enter a contest and vote for whose design you think is best. We'll definitely have some really rad pictures of all of their creations up. Um, And I think once you get a visual, you will be very impressed because I was pretty surprised, especially with Carter's. Not what I was envisioning. (laughs) No, I mean, they were all great. Like, I'm I'm a fan of the roll top. That's like that's my love language as a thru-hiker, like anything that you can roll down and then stuff back up. Um, And then obviously dog lovers. So the pack design was super rad. I think there's definitely something on here for everyone, but make sure you go look at those photos so you can put that image with everything that you've heard here.
1: All right. As always, make good gear, drink good beer. keep, Keep changing needle. Bye, everybody. Cheers.